Thanks again, praise team. Wow. Oftentimes I'm amazed to think how we sing these songs, and I'm already thinking about the words of, of the message, and I think, wow, that fits. And I think, we should sing all those songs again at the end. So one of these days, we're going to do that. Does that sound all right? <laughs> so you can experience what I experience when I'm singing those songs and, and just seeing how they fit with what we're talking about today. Well, we're, we're in the book of Daniel, so if you could turn to Daniel chapter 6. We're talking about faith in the fire, and we're, we've seen multiple examples to this point of faith being put into the fire. So far in Daniel chapter 6, we have seen an incredible example of integrity in the life of Daniel. Uh, he, today, we're, we're going to actually see the end of that, that story, and we're going to look at the, the results of integrity. We've seen the benefits for the individual. We've, we've looked at what, de- what uh, definition of integrity is. We've seen what, what integrity looks like, but today we're going to see the, the fruition, see what comes out of that. Now, to catch back up to what's going on in this story, um, we're... Uh, we're in Daniel chapter 6. We've got two governors. If you remember the, the hierarchy, now this is the actual hierarchy because I put God at the top of the list, right? Because who sets up kings and tears them down? It's God. So, so God's in charge of everyone. Darius is, is the head over the, the Medes of the Medo-Persian Empire. And he had three governors, one of them being Daniel and then all of the satraps under, underneath them. And so the two governors... Uh, were wanting to team up against Daniel because Daniel was a man of integrity and they weren't. We see that because they even lied to the king saying, we have talked together as governors and we've come up with this idea. So here was the test that they put. And the idea was uh, that they convinced Darius not to allow anyone to, to petition anyone above King Darius. You are not allowed to go to any god or any human being that you consider higher than Darius knowing that Daniel believed in God, right? So this was a trap. That was the trap that they set for Daniel. And, uh, and they convinced the king to go for it. And anyone who violated this would be thrown into the den of lions. And that's, that's where we, we left off last week. Now the temptation for Daniel at this point could have been, he could have decided just not to pray altogether, right? 30 days, no praying. Or he could have just decided to pray in secret, right? Because his custom was to pray publicly from, from the balcony of his house, the upper room of his house where anyone could see. And uh, if he could just avoid being seen for 30 days, he could avoid the lion's den. That was the temptation. But what we learned last week is that Daniel's integrity would not allow him to conceal his faith. And it would not allow him, that he would not weigh the consequences for doing the right thing, Right? We read, we read this last week in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since the early days. It didn't change a thing the way he lived his life, because he was a man of integrity. And then, then we, you might remember in verses 11 through 17, we saw how Darius was doing everything in his power to try and come up with some way to rescue Daniel. But once a king makes a decree, there is no way to undo it. That was the law of the land, and he had two governors there to remind him of that law. And so he, he attempts uh, whatever he can, but at the end, Daniel's left in a pretty bad position. Do you remember where we left Daniel last week? Let's look at verses 16 and 17. So the king gave the command... 
And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet of his lords, that, uh, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. This is bad news for Daniel. And here he does the right thing, and where does he end up? He gets thrown into the den with lions. This is where he's at. But this isn't the end of the story, is it? I love the end of the story. Let's, let's continue to read. And we'll pick up where we, where we started, or where we left off last week, starting in verse 18. So if you could uh, turn to verse 18, Daniel chap, uh, chapter 6, we'll pick up where we left off. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Imagine how Darius felt that night. Verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Wow. So we see where Darius' heart was in, in this moment, don't we? Well, he, did not want to, he did not want to follow through with his own word, but he got trapped. He got trapped by these men. And, uh, but what I think what's interesting here is to look at the state of faith of, of Darius at this point in the story. Because that's going to become important as we get to the end of the story. But the state of faith, where was Darius and his understanding of who God was? That's, what, that's a question that, that I'd like to ask. But I think, I think somewhere he was between belief and disbelief. Why would I say that? I'd say, I don't think it was on the, the end of, of disbelief. Why? Because he hoped. There was a sense of hope. And did, did this happen? Did the God whom you continually serve, did he save you? And, and in fact, if it had been total disbelief, I don't think he would have gone to, to the mouth of the den of lions at all. He would have just sent somebody there. But there was something in him that said, maybe... Just maybe Daniel's God is capable of saving him. Maybe. So there's this sense of, of disbelief. But it's, it's not total belief either because on the other side of things, uh, he did not assume if he, if he had a total confident faith, oh yeah, Daniel's God is going to save him. He would not have been worried. But what would we find? We find that he couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. He couldn't listen to music. He just couldn't wait until the next morning until he could find out what happened to Daniel. Right? There's worry. And so the fact that there's a little bit of hope and the fact that there's a little bit of worry shows that he's somewhere between these, these two, between faith, and he's somewhere in, in the middle. And, and so hang on to this understanding of where Darius' faith for, for a few moments because we're going to come back and look at his state, his state of faith at the end of the story. But here he is at this moment wondering what's going to happen. And here we find out in, in verse 21 through 23. This is what we read. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me. Because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the, out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Isn't that amazing? We've heard this story since we were kids, right? 
But let's think about that for a moment. He was thrown into the lion's den with hungry lions, and, and God sends. Imagine what it, you, what it would feel like for Daniel. I mean, it's great for us to hear the story because we kind of know the end of the story, right? But put yourself in Daniel's shoes for a moment, and how would you feel thinking, this is it, I'm being thrown into the den of lions, and then you get thrown in there, and I'm sure you're cringing, and your eyes are closed, and your hands are up like this, and you're wondering, when's it going to happen? And then you open up your eyes, and you see that an angel of the Lord came down and shut the mouths of the lions so that they could not, they could not consume him. Wow. And all night long, I'll bet you that was a pretty interesting night for Daniel. Was it not? He was fasting. He was without sleep and without music. But that was an awesome night for him. To, to be in the presence of a display of God's power like that. Isn't that an amazing thing? The glory of, of the Lord and to see how God, how God rescued him. This, this brings us to, to some applications. I want to talk about the results of integrity. We've seen it for a few weeks now as we, as we studied Daniel's life. And we've seen how he has consistently done what is right. But one of the results that we see of integrity for us is that God becomes our defender. When we do what is right, God becomes our defender. It's God that becomes our rescuer. And why, why does he do that? It's because he's a just God. And he cannot stand to see innocent people suffer forever. Isn't that true? We have a just God who cannot let the scales remain unbalanced forever. Now, by the way, he does allow us to suffer sometimes, doesn't he? Anyone here say, from the moment I accepted Jesus Christ, I have not had any suffering in my life? No, no hands, I don't see any. There you go. We do we suffer. But God will not allow innocent people to suffer forever. In the end, he always makes sure the scales are balanced. Why? Because he is a just God. He's a good God. He is a just God. And he... he uh, he comes to rescue the innocent. In Psalms, we read this. In, uh, uh, in Psalm chapter 7, verses 9 and 10, this is what we read. Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God tests the hearts and minds. My defense is of God. Who saves the upright in heart? What does that word upright in heart mean? It's a person of integrity. And God loves to save the person of integrity, the person who is upright in heart, the person who has done what is right. God just loves to rescue those people. Why? Because he is a just God. So when we look at this, you know, we say, why on earth did, did God save Daniel? There's two reasons that we find. Let's go back and look at verse 22. And the first reason because Daniel said, my God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me. Why? Because I was found innocent before him. The second thing he says, and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. What, what is he saying about that? What are, what, when he's describing this, he's really saying that there's two things that add up to integrity here. There, there's an innocence before God, and you add that to a blamelessness before men. And you put those together and you're a man of integrity. What does that mean? That means you're, you're taking care of your vertical and your horizontal relationships. Your vertical relationship with God and your horizontal relationship with people. And no, I'm not the Pope. <laughs> Somebody's just now getting that. But, but really, we have this relationship with God. And, and if you are in a position in your life where you can say, with my relationship with God, I am good. There's no obstacle between me and God. 
But he said, I am innocent before God. By the way, was he found guilty for the crime of petitioning someone above Darius? Yes, he was. But he's saying, it doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm considered guilty by the world and their wrong standards. I was innocent in the only standard that really matters. And that's, I was innocent with God. And then he goes on to say, and I have done you no wrong. You know, when we go above, uh, above our leaders and our, our polit- uh, political leaders, and we go to the God and we pray for our polit- political leaders, we are not harming them in any way, are we? They need God's help. Amen? We, we should be praying for our political leaders. And so we have, we have Daniel who's saying, I was innocent before God. I was blameless before you. And so he was a man of integrity. He said, because of this, God came and sent his angel and rescued me from what was going on. Now, God does allow innocent people to suffer, but not forever. He's still watching and waiting uh, for, for that. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this very comforting. Because there are some times when you do what is right, you're going to be persecuted by people who don't care about the standard of right and wrong. Isn't that true? I, I, I know it's true. I've talked to people in here. I know people who are going through, through difficulties right now in their lives because someone out there is mistreating them. And, and probably everyone's thinking, yeah, he's talking to me. How did he know that? It's because it happens to us all. It happens to us all. And, and, and it's comforting to know that... We have a God who can rescue us from anything. Daniel faced the lions and he came out unscathed. By the way, I think he faced the lions literally and metaphorically. I mean, literally, he was thrown into the lion's den. Metaphorically, he was also thrown into the lion's den. Was he not? As as his peers were there to consume him, to destroy him. And the other governors were doing what they could to trap him. And yet he's coming out unscathed in both scenarios. Why? Why? I like the way it puts it in verse 23. So Daniel, and the, a look at the start in the middle of the verse, so Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. He had faith in his God. Are you being persecuted unjustly in your life? Have faith in your God. He may allow you to go through something. He may allow you to go through the fire like he did for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He let them go through it, but he did it for a purpose to bring glory to himself. And have faith in God that he's going to do what is right for you and with you and through you. You know, it's not the only thing we see in here. Look at verse 24, Daniel chapter 6. We read this. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Then their children and their wives and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Now I understand this is a PG-13 section of the scriptures, right? This, this is a graphic section. But notice that it was, it was told in such a way that, that nobody could argue, oh, the lions never, never consumed Daniel because they just weren't hungry. Maybe someone fed the lions. And you, you, can, you, all, you can see how people throw us twist on everything to steal glory from God. There is no way on earth anyone could argue that. Why? Because the people who ended up being thrown in there didn't even make it to the floor. That's what it says. So, so the, the real lions, 
real hunger, real consumption. But, but, but uh, the point of the passage actually is that not only that is there the fact that God becomes our defender, but God will also judge our enemies. God will also judge our enemies. That's part of being a just God. God is in the business of turning tables. Isn't he? God is in the business of that. He, he, he does that on purpose sometimes because he lets the bad guy think they're getting away with it so long, so far. And then just when you think that the, the righteous people, those who are upright of heart, those who have integrity, are going to become victims, he says, now watch what I can do. And he turns the tables. Isn't that true? And we see this all through biblical history. We see that in the Red Sea when the Israelites, they're, they're surrounded by an army and, and the, the Egyptian army, and they come to, the, to the, the Red Sea. Now there's nowhere to go. And what does God do? He opens up the Red Sea, has them cross. He swallows up the Egyptian army. Why? Because he lets us get to that point where we have to put our faith in him. We have to believe in him. And when we do, he shows up in a glorious, glorious way. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's the God. That's the God that we serve. He's a God who, who defends us, but he's also a God who, who judges our enemies. Remember when we just read a couple of verses in Psalm 7 about God who defends uh, those who are upright of heart? Listen to what the psalmist says directly after that in Psalm chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. It says, God is a just judge, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he does not turn back, then he will sharpen his sword. He bends his bow and makes it ready. He also prepares for himself instruments of death. He makes his arrows into fiery shafts. You will never hear Joel Osteen preach a message on that verse. Isn't that true? You'll never hear it. But it's the reality that, because that, uh, I heard him make a statement, I heard him say that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, I promise you God is not angry with you. Uh, I beg to differ. The psalmist says we have a God who is angry at those who are oppressing people of integrity. He's angry at them. And he says, and I'm going to pay him. I, I love the way that he puts it. He's, he's bending his bow. He's getting ready. He's, he's just getting ready. And, and, and when you know that your God is, a, is, is going to win the victory, it's, that's just that moment of excitement where, oh, Oh, there he goes. It's like, oh, he's rolling up his sleeve. Uh-oh. You're going to see something really cool here, right? I remember watching my brother. He was a great wrestler. He took states in wrestling. He went on in college, took second nationals in wrestling. He was a great wrestler. And I remember because we, we wrestled for a, a what was called a wrestling club. We didn't have a wrestling team because we weren't from a school. We had four schools combined. And uh, so we weren't allowed to compete as a school, but we could still compete as individuals. And I remember, so officially, my brother's record was zero wins and zero losses, officially, right? And we go to this one school where they had a guy who had been undefeated for two or three years. And the guy, he was good. And it was something. The lights go on, you know, the first lights go out when it's his turn to come out. And the people start cheering. They put on special music. And he busts through some paper thing. And he comes out there. And he literally rips his shirt off as as the crowd from this high school goes crazy. And, uh, and so they're still going wild, and they get out there, and they start, and it was about eight seconds, my brother pinned them. <laughs> Just watching that, that was, one of the, that was one of the funnest moments of my life, I've got to say, because everyone's just like, you know, but, but the thing is, the team knew, the team knew, they're like, 
oh, they're, they're messing with Tom Griggs, right? You, you've heard him preach here, right? You, you know, many of you know who he is. I mean, he, you know, so, but the, to us, it's just to see him getting up and kind of preparing himself, we're like, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to happen. You know what I mean? This is what God is. He's saying, he's, he's bending his bow, right? He's, he's getting ready. Oh, man, watch out. And this is what we see. The enemies of God think they have us. And in the moment when we think, oh, man, from a human perspective, we are done for, guess what? God is bending his bow. He is getting prepared for battle, and he never loses. Right? And that's, what, that's the God that we serve here. And, and, uh, and, and that's a, a real part of, of God's blessing is that he, he takes care of us. Remember the, 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 the uh, blessing that he gave to uh, Abraham when he said, uh, the covenant, he said, I, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. It's, part of the blessing is the blessing that we receive. Part of the blessing is that when people oppress us, God takes care of the matter. If they're unrepentant, God takes care of the matter. In Romans 12, we, we read, verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, a lot of times we focus on the fact that it is, revenge is not our, our part. And that's accurate. Our part is to be, in, to, to be walking in, in integrity with our relationships with the world. That's our job. Vengeance is not our job. But it is God's. Does that make sense? It is God's job. And, and, he, and he will do that. And so our job is to walk in integrity. But do, do not fear. God does his job very well. Now there's one more result of integrity that we see in this, in this passage. So let's read verses 25 through 28. And look at those. No, no, verse 25. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The third and final result of integrity that we see here is that God gets the glory. God gets the glory. Uh, do you remember the state of Darius' faith at the beginning of the story when he's, when he's worried all night long and he shows up to the, to the mouth of the den of the lions and, and he's worried and he calls down to, to Daniel. Where was his faith? It was somewhere between, it was, it was somewhere between uh, belief and disbelief. But what does he believe at the end of the story about God? He believes that God is a living God. Right? Right? God, your God, the God of, of Daniel. By the way, it's your God too. Is the God of the, is, of, of the, he is a God that is alive. He is also eternal. He's steadfast forever. He recognizes that God is invincible. And he goes on to say his kingdom is the one that shall not be destroyed. No, recognizes that. In verse 27, he recognizes that he's a God who rescues when he says that he's the God who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lion. I'll tell you what, Daniel's state of faith is completely changed. Why? Because Daniel was willing to be consistent with his life of integrity, even if that meant that he might die. And that gave God an opportunity to do something amazing. And what ends up is God has this glorious unveiling 
of his plan all along. Isn't that an amazing thing? To see that power of God. It's, it's a new place of faith. You know, here's, the, here's the bottom line. When, when we see how, how the world can go from, from questioning to faith because of what God does, our bottom line, when we look at, at all of these things, we see that God becomes our defender, God, God judges our enemies, and he gets all the glory. But you know what I, I think happens sometimes as Christians? Is we want a risk-free Christian life. Don't we? We don't want to go through the lion's den. We don't want to go through all that. We want this risk-free Christian life. And, but there's no, there's no glory in that, is there? There's no glory in that. Last night, um, some of my family and myself, we were watching the Olympics. Anyone else like to watch Olympics? Yeah, I enjoy watching the Olympics. There's a lot of glory in the Olympics. And, and, uh, and we were watching the snowboarding. Uh, I'm sure there's different kinds of snowboarding events, but we were watching one of them last night. And, uh, and, and there was a guy named uh, Red Gerard. I think he's 17. So I should say, he, there was a kid named Red Ger- Gerard. Um, and, uh, and he's going, and the way it works is you got three attempts. As you go down, there's like rails, and there's three major jumps at the bottom, a bunch of little things. And, um, and, and you got to go down the hill and do all these crazy things, right? And to, to really compete, you got to get somewhere in the ballpark of 80 points uh, to, to have a shot at a medal. And, uh, uh, and you get three attempts, and they only take your best score. Well, he went for it. I mean, he just told, I mean, he risked it all, went for it, couldn't quite make the landings. So instead of getting in the 80-point range, he was in the 40-something point range. Round two. He could take it, he could be a little more cautious then, right? Nope, not this little kid. <laughs> he goes for it. I mean, he just goes for it. He tries some really cool things. He gets to the point and he's doing all these flips and things in the air. Couldn't quite make the landings. What happens? He ends up in the 40 points again, right? So you've got all these others, and they're getting 79, 78, you know, 80 points. And uh, third and final round, he goes for it again. Reckless abandon, and he just risks it all. He goes for it, and he, he nails every landing. Ends up being the first American to win a gold medal in the Olympics. That's pretty awesome. Anyone stay up late enough to watch it? A few of you did. All right, cool. So you saw it. You know what I'm talking about. And so he wins the gold medal, right? Why? Because it, there, there's no glory when we want a risk-free life. Imagine for a moment if when, when, when the buzzer goes off and he's got his time, he's to go down the hill and he's in his snowboard, if he just starts going real slow, you know, real careful, he comes to the rails, and instead of hopping on the rails, he comes up to it, stops, puts his hands on the rail, and, you know, kind of works his way down. <laughs> right? And then he continues on down. He goes this big, you know, j- jump, and he comes up to it, and he comes right at the edge, and he stops. And goes down like this. And works his way down. And he gets to the end and goes, yes! There would not be a single person clapping for him. Am I right? It, it, there's, there's risk. There, there, there's got to be some drama to it all. Or, or it makes no sense. There's no, there's no glory to it all. But I think sometimes as Christians, we want the same thing. It's, in, it's found in the way we pray. We say, Lord, if you could just give me this risk-free life. Lord, take away all enemies. Keep them far from me. Lord, I don't want to suffer through any illnesses. No, no. No financial struggles either, Lord. I don't want any financial struggles because if you give me financial struggles, I'm going to have to, I don't know, rely on you or something. 
don't, don't allow any sickness, don't allow anything. I just want this perfect, you know, I need a, my bike helmet every time I go for a ride type thing, you know. And we, and we got this, and, 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 and Lord, if you could do one more little thing, when, I, when it comes to that time to die, could I just, could you just take me in my sleep so I don't have to worry about death and just wake up one morning and be in the presence of the Lord? And then we think, we'll go. And all the angels say, well done, good job. You made it through this whole life, unscathed by things. No drama, no, that's not, that's not what God has called us to. Let's be honest. Amen? God has called us to, to a, a life of boldness. A life of integrity and a life of boldness have to go together. Because if you're going to live with integrity, you're going to have enemies. You're going to have obstacles. You're going to have all of those things. You're going to have persecution. It's guaranteed in this life. But if we remember, God will always defend me when it matters. God will also, with any, anyone who's unrepentant, God is going to judge our enemies. When we do that, we live a life that gives glory to God. It doesn't bring glory to ourselves. It's where the analogy falls apart. In, in the Olympics... The glory is for the individual. For us, the glory isn't about us. It's about God using our lives to give glory back to him. And, and God is calling us to a life that can do that. I don't know about you, but I can't think of any greater life that I want to have a million years from now. I don't want to be the one to, to say, oh, you know, when they say, what did you accomplish when you were on earth? And I say, uh, well, Nothing. I went through life unscathed. You know, I never had any problems. I was pretty healthy the whole time. No, I want to be the person that, that can say, I only made it through because of the grace of God. And that's where Daniel was. If you want your life to bring glory to God, then you've got to get to be willing to go through the fire. That's what the whole series is called, Faith in the Fire. You've got to be willing to go through the fire. But this is what drives us when we're in those tough times, isn't it? You know, God will be my defender. God will judge my enemies. And he will ultimately bring my life and everything I do to bring glory to him. And I am blessed to be a part of that. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word. I just thank you that you give us the motivation to do what is right. So, Lord, my prayer right now is that you'd work in our hearts, that we would make that commitment of integrity, that we would do what is right. So, Lord, I pray as we, as we have our closing and we have a moment where we, we sing to you, I pray, Lord, that there would be an outpouring of our expression of commitment to you. Whether it's people coming forward, whether it's just lifting our hands to you, whether it's a silent prayer that we say right from our seats, Lord, I pray that we would respond to you. We would say, God, we are willing to be men and women of integrity. Lord, I pray that today would be a day of enlistment in a sense that we would say, Lord, count me in. I will do whatever it is you call me to do. I will go through whatever drama you allow me to go through. I will, I will be sent to whatever lion's den you send me to because I believe in you. And Lord, that, that is my prayer for us as a church, 
for every one of us as individuals. Lord, I also pray that if there's someone here that has never come to know you personally, that does not know you as their personal Savior, that today would be that day. They would come forward and not just kneel and pray to you, but that they don't know you, they would come to me. So I could show them someone who could take, take them through God's word, through your word, and show them how they can know for sure they have eternal life. So that's my prayer, Lord, that today we would all be able to walk out as men and women of integrity, ready for whatever fires you want to put us through, knowing that you will redeem us in the end. And I pray this in your son's precious name.